Hello listeners and welcome to this episode of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with I'm Hugh Thomas, the Deputy Editor. In this episode, we're discussing an article appearing in our February 2022 issue reporting on the LOTUS trial. So this was a double-blind placebo-controlled trial of lyophilized orally administered fecal microbiota transplantation, or FMT, uh, given to patients with active ulcerative colitis. Uh, So briefly, 35 patients were enrolled before COVID-19 prematurely terminated recruitment, uh, at which point there were 15 allocated to FMT and 20 to placebo. So joining me to discuss the paper in much more detail is the lead author, Professor Rupert Leong. Professor Leong is a senior staff specialist gastroenterologist, director of endoscopy and head of the IBD services at Concord Hospital. Uh, He's also professor of medicine at University of Sydney and Macquarie University. Professor Leong, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hugh, for having me on your podcast. So to start off, there's been a lot of interest uh, in FMT for IBD in the past few years. Can you just summarise where we are today? Yeah, well, there's been at least five randomised control studies that have evaluated uh, FMT in the induction of remission in ulcerative colitis, and uh, most of them have been positive, and meta-analyses suggest that this is an effective way of inducing remission. What's been used has been mainly with frozen liquid FMT products, so that requires to be stored at minus 80 degrees, and then it needs to be thawed prior to giving it to patients. So there are some limitations in terms of that protocol. So what also is not known is whether a sustained FMT can maintain remission over time. So I think that's a big question mark. So whether ongoing use of a uh, lower uh, regimen of FMT with oral capsules, um, giving that over to one year can help to sustain the benefits induced by the induction regimen and what that does clinically. So they were the questions that we wanted to answer for the LOTUS study. Yeah. And so just in terms of of your specific trial design, what what was your setup? You know, what kind of patients were you including? How were you selecting donors? That sort of thing. Yeah. So we looked at patients of mild to moderate ulcerative colitis, and that's consistent with prior FMT studies with uh, Mayo scores of four to 10 indicating some activity. And they had to have active uh, endoscopic uh, inflammation as well with a Mayo endoscopic subscore of at least one. And we allow patients to be on standard therapies as well, including advanced therapies with biological agents as long as first line and corticosteroid to prednisolone dose up to 20 milligrams. So quite standard um, protocol uh, in line with other IBD studies. We did eight-week induction therapy and then uh, for patients that respond, they were re-randomised to either continue on treatments or to withdraw from treatments. And we wanted to see if the microbial signatures could be sustained out to one year. And as a, another endpoint, to look at the clinical, endoscopic and histological efficacy assessed centrally by a blind reader, just to see if those benefits can be sustained objectively in patients. Regarding donors, uh, we use um, uh, what we call professional donors. So these are patients that have had screening performed on a regular basis and have successfully donated for FMT stool production in the past. And it's a very rigorous screening process that's um, quite standard, I guess, with a lot of FMT units. So they need to be excluded for any disease states or even symptoms of disease. 
and uh, they have a microbial and blood screening as well as a questionnaire to ensure that they do meet the quality components. What was different about this study as well was we actually chose donors that had some of the better qualities in their stools. We knew from previous studies that the presence of Fusobacterium species and Sartorella to be negative indicators of efficacy when treating for ulcerative colitis. So we wanted donors not to have these organisms as donors. So that way we can further enhance the benefits of the FMT process. Fascinating. And, and also, you, you, you alluded to this in your introduction, but also this delivery method versus, versus the prior methods. Can you go into a little bit about that? And um... Yeah. So the previous methods have been predominantly given rectally, so through colonoscopy infusions followed by self-administered enemas. And sometimes this can be very onerous, such as by giving 40 enemas at night, so once per night for eight weeks. So that's uh, quite invasive and intensive for patients. So we wanted to bypass that uh, route of administration and give patients an all-oral route of administration. So we used lyophilized FMT, which is essentially the liquid component of FMT that's been freeze-dried to preserve the benefits of the uh, organisms. And that can be stored then in the fridge and doesn't require a deep freezer. So that's uh, uh, more convenient for patients to take and obviously less invasive and less uncomfortable for patients with active ulcerative colitis. The last thing they want is to give themselves liquid enemas. Certainly. And and what about, uh, I mean, one of the other major aspects of your protocol then is this uh, antibiotic pretreatment. Can you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we use a combination of quite common antibiotics with amoxicillin, doxycycline and metronidazole. And the theory there was that we can reduce the pathobions in patients prior to the FMT. And the previous publication had already shown that a similar regimen of antibiotics given over two weeks was successful in decreased Fusobacterium species and also corresponded to improved patients' clinical outcomes with symptoms, endoscopic and histological improvement following just two weeks of antibiotics. So we combined that with FMT in a randomised way. So all patients received two weeks of the same antibiotics and they were then randomised to either FMT or the identical placebo capsules. And that way we can see if patients that were randomised to placebo, if they had sustained benefits with the antibiotics alone. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then what were your key findings then? Yeah, so the clinical findings for the induction phase was by eight weeks, patients were able to enter into steroid-free clinical remission if they were randomised to FMT compared to placebo. And it's quite a marked difference of from 53% entering these primary endpoints and uh, versus with the placebo arm of uh, 15%. So that's quite a marked difference. And that 15% was probably due to the efficacy of antibiotics because that placebo rate is higher than prior FMT studies. Importantly, we used objective markers of inflammation as well, so patients had to have also endoscopic response or remission combined with their steroid-free clinical remission to ensure it's not just symptomatic improvement, patients actually had definite improvement of their inflammation component as well. 
We then looked at the maintenance phase, which was initially just to see if the microbial signatures can be sustained out to one year. And the clinical component was actually very interesting. So having continued FMT compared to patients that uh, we've withdrawn for FMT, it's a, it's a small uh, study here. 100% of the patients that continued FMT had ongoing sustained steroid-free clinical remission. But in addition to that, they also had endoscopic and histological mucosal healing. And that was assessed by a central blind reporter, uh, pathologist and endoscopist, and they were able to demonstrate very, very powerful effects of FMT compared to placebo. And the ones that had placebo actually had clinical flares on uh, a medium of six months after withdrawal of the FMT, indicating that uh, FMT is not a sustained um, effect, that ongoing FMT is likely to be beneficial. And our maintenance dose was actually quite uh, uh, small. It's only two capsules a day compared to a very intensive uh, induction regimen. So they were some of the, I guess, important findings. In terms of the microbial aspects, uh, patients that had antibiotics, uh, following antibiotics, they had the decrease in the pathobions, which is really what we wanted to see. And following reintroduction of FMT, the diversity increased back to as it was before, which was also what we wanted to see. And for those that were randomised to placebo, their diversity increased very gradually. Sure. Okay. So did you also see any link between engraftment of microbiota and uh, clinical outcomes or, or any other outcomes? Yeah, we're looking at that at the moment. We want to see that uh, engraftment to take place and certainly that's what's uh, happened and that's in line with our previous understanding of FMT studies, uh, especially after antibiotics, that engraftment does uh, take place and the beneficial uh, downstream effects are present as well with the production of uh, short-chain fatty acids and the secondary uh, bile acid metabolites are present, indicating good quality FMT and therefore linked to the success of the FMT in the treatment of ulcerative colitis as well. So we're looking at some of those downstream effects now. Sure, sure. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on um, adverse events and if you saw anything like that based on, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, you, you mentioned obviously that the maintenance arm is still only two, it's two capsules a day, so it's relatively low, but, you know, did you see anything there compared to the placebo arm? Yeah, so firstly, we looked at uh, patients' effects from the antibiotics and we're happy to report there were no sustained adverse effects from the antibiotics themselves, apart from very minor expected uh, symptoms that do occur with antibiotics. Next, uh, we looked at the induction and maintenance uh, and there was no significant differences between patients that were randomised to FMT versus placebo in the reported outcomes. There were some severe uh, adverse events that were reported. Uh, however, they were unlikely to be related to the FMT. Some patients had worsening of the disease and Another patient uh, had uh, rectal bleeding, which turned out to be from hemorrhoids, and he was treated with hemorrhoidectomy and things you know, improved. So there was nothing that uh, was uh, added to the concerns about FMT on top of uh, what we know about FMT already. Sure. So on the basis of these pretty promising results, then, where do you see the field going next? What does it mean for you, basically? 
Yeah, I think uh, it's very exciting. FMT demonstrates efficacy for maintenance over the long term, which is something that we didn't know prior. And having oral formulation, I think, is also going to be more attractive for patients as well. What was surprising, I guess, was that FMT in this study was also effective for the more severe spectrum of disease. We didn't see that this was a, a treatment that uh, benefits only patients with mild ulcerative colitis. And also, it uh, was also effective for patients that were on biological agents. So we had a patient on infliximab and another patient on vitalismab that were randomised to FMT, and both of those had very good results. So it shows that perhaps FMT can be complementary to our standard therapy, and perhaps uh, we can treat with microbial manipulation and reduce inflammatory activity at the same time with immunosuppressive therapies, and perhaps the two do work very well together. We also want to see what the downstream effects are. What are those bioactive uh, compounds that are responsible for benefits? And perhaps if we can uh, uh, work that out, we can actually find uh, drug treatments then that can be treated uh, with better quality. Ultimately, we looked at the two donors that provided uh, the FMT, and one was, in fact, uh, what we would call a super donor in that uh, having donation from that uh, patient was associated with 100% efficacy, whereas the second donor was only associated with 36% efficacy. So there's a lot we don't know about donors, even though we did our best to try to find the best characteristics of donors. It doesn't always work out like that. So I think questioning the difference between the two donors would also provide some very interesting data as well. Great. Thank you very much for, for walking us through that study and giving us those perspectives for the future. I think it's you know clearly an extremely promising field and hopefully this represents quite an advance in, in terms of what's possible. Yeah. Thank you very much, Hugh. Yeah. I look forward to hearing your future podcast and all the very best. Thank you very much. You can read the article on the Lotus Trial online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Professor Leong and thank you for listening to this episode of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.